Apocalypse is now the podcast where we watch the end of the world over and over again. My name is Ron. Uh, my name is Morgan. And his name is Morgan. And his name is Ron. And welcome to Apocalypse is Now, the podcast where we watch the end. <laughs> we I'm keep sorry. going around in circles. It's like Groundhog Day. <laughs> uh, so welcome. If this is your first time listening, uh, this is the podcast where we watch Apocalypse movies and talk about them because the world seems to be ending uh, every other day or so. Something could be a candidate for that old Apocalypse apocalyptic scenario mm-hmm. um, before we go any further into the actual podcast i want to talk about how i felt today because i thought my world was going to end at a particular moment oh dear i didn't think i was going to die but my worldview was almost shattered morgan <gasps> would you care to take a guess what happened um it's it's not like is it the actual bad thing that happened in the news today or is it like a, a funny thing Oh, no. It's a funny thing. What bad thing happened to the news? See what I'm talking about, guys? <laughs> Every <Never mind>. day. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like an end of the world thing. I have no idea what your actual... What is your actual uh, worldview ending thing that happened today? I have no guesses. Are you aware of Stroopwafel? <laughs> yes, I am aware of Stroopwafel. So the gym I work at, we sell Stroopwafel as like one of our snacks. And I hadn't mm-hmm. tried it before. And I was a little peckish today, so I tried one for the first time. It was like this really thick, for those of you aren't, that aren't familiar, it's a wafer with caramel put mm-hmm. in the middle so that when you bite into it, it's like, it's a satisfying heavy yeah. in your stomach. I checked the calories on the back and it said 150 and I was like, oh, dope. So I ate one and an hour later, I got another. And then like an hour before this recording, I had another and I was like, you know what? 450 calories, that's pretty bad, but uh hey i've been pretty good recently and then i was eating i was finishing the last bite of the last waffle and then it kind of like broke in two and then i looked at the back of the wrapper and it said 150 calories per serving two servings per wrapper i was like wait hold on i ate 900 calories in cookies today (laughs) what's happening who does that what about you? How did your world end today, Morgan? Oh, my, my world began today. Oh. I was born anew. In the beginning, there was Morgan. And then everything went downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so the Apocalypse movie we're talking about today, supposedly, is uh, the 2020 film Love and Monsters, directed by Michael Matthews. And the top billing is Dylan O'Brien. You might know him from Maze Runner, or other things that I don't know right now. Morden, you want to give us a quick synopsis? Yeah, well, movie? the first and most important thing, which is what my girlfriend said when I told her that we uh, we watched this movie, is she was like, oh, yeah, how's that guy? And I was like, yeah, Dylan O'Brien. And she was like, oh, yeah, that the cutie. He's a cutie. Um, so the first and most important thing is that he's uh, Dylan O'Brien is a cutie. And I think we should keep that mind in mind for the rest of the uh, episode. Yeah. So we got this cutie and 
the apocalypse is that there was an asteroid headed for Earth. And so Earth like sent out all these missiles to blow up the asteroid. But then the fallout from the missiles caused animals on Earth to mutate into these big old monsters. And then the monsters kill off all of humanity. So in trying to prevent the apocalypse, we cause the apocalypse, which feels uh, right. And there's this dude, this cutie, who lives in a bunker. And he was separated from his girlfriend when he was being evacuated from his hometown of Fairfield, California. And he recently got back in contact with her over radio. So after a sort of tragic event in the beginning of the movie, he decides he's going to go and uh, try to go to where she's staying, this other this other colony. But it's very dangerous to travel over the surface, so he's going to have to fight his way through monsters and stuff, which he's never been very good at. Uh, at the at the bunker that he stays at, he's just kind of the cook. Um, so he sets off on this journey to uh, find his former girlfriend. Yeah, and we got a stared cutie. He freezes. Yeah. That's what we find out early in the movie. He free we got a freezing cutie. Uh, I also take it back. I do know him from other things other than Maze. Well, Runner. he was on Teen Wolf. Well, sure, but he's also Jake Gyllenhaal. This is true. Yes, our friendly cutie has recently been <laughs> recently been in the news. Did you see? Did you see he did? <laughs> there was an interview where somebody was like asking him because like everybody knows it's about Jake Gyllenhaal, but like Taylor is not like explicitly saying that it's about Jake Gyllenhaal, but everybody knows. So he, him, and Taylor Swift were being interviewed on the red carpet. Um, and the interviewer was like asking Taylor about Jake Gyllenhaal and she had this like very diplomatic response where she was like, oh, well, you know, these songs belong to everybody now. And it was a very like well rehearsed response to this. And then they, they asked Dylan O'Brien and he was like, oh, yeah, I mean, I don't know about that. I mean, uh, my character is named Brandon. <laughs> 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 it was just it was really good he's like oh i, I don't know what don't a know. cutie i'm just i'm, just, I'm just trying to give my give brandon his full due you know he seems like a solid dude seems all right uh if he does if he does anything problematic before we release this episode we take everything back hold on i'm letting up dylan o'brien problematic <laughs> making sure we're good we're in the clear this is a line about dylan o'brien and an article written about him called rebooting dylan o'brien and just there's this line that says uh oh no i've lost it i've lost the line <laughs> i cannot find it i scrolled too much okay here it is he was progressive without the i'm a fail he was progressive without the i'm a male feminist energy i mean we're just saying he's a cutie he might be a, a morally bankrupt cutie, but he is a cutie. I've seen. I don't know. I, <laughs> I think we're good. I think we're in the clear. Let's just let's keep going. The apocalypse we're talking about here, and you mentioned that it uh, turns animals big. But when I was doing research in the movie, it's specifically cold-blooded animals, which adds a rule, which I think is cool. And also, like when I look back at the movie, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess they were all cold-blooded because there was no giant there were no giant dogs or giant cats or giant birds or one of my questions when we watched it is like how did this affect humans and it just didn't it only affected cold-blooded animals um interesting oh are insects are insects technically cold-blooded i guess so (laughs) i guess so wild doing a little research they they got them cold veins some free freeze juice (laughs) 
Some, yeah. They got slushy veins. Yeah. Because there's for sure some slurp, like, giant slurp. insect in there, right? You know, I'm trying to... Uh, they, there was a giant centipede. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like... I wouldn't call it a kaiju movie, but it is a monster apocalypse. So kind of in the tradition of like... Yes. Uh, you got me. I can't think of any monster movies. Right? King Kong is kind of in the tradition of like. <laughs> I thought you maybe like thought that I said something, so you were pausing to let me talk. But no, you just couldn't think of a single other movie with big monsters. <laughs> One of the most prolific in... movie genres in history. In my head, I would I visually visualized visually you visually visualized yes i visually visualized visually that i wordlessly passed you the baton and i was just waiting for you to take it so if anything (laughs) i i weirdly felt let down even though that was all on me yeah if this was like the the beginning of the olympics where they're like passing the torch around you would have just like hurled that torch at me and (laughs) dodged and it would have set the arena on fire and I would have been like, Morgan, what the heck? Why didn't you catch that? <laughs> I would have been like, you threw it at my fucking head. <laughs> yeah, and you're supposed you're at the Olympics. That's what they do at the Olympics. This is Olympic head head torch throwing. Duh. So this is slightly different from movies like King Kong or Jurassic Park or Godzilla. Because in King Kong like they find if i'm unless i'm mistaken they go to um skull island and he's just there like he's a byproduct of nature godzilla i don't remember godzilla's origins well godzilla the original godzilla uh they changed it for the new movies um but the original godzilla was actually a result of nuclear energy okay so godzilla is the closest then i guess because both Godzilla and the creatures in this film are the byproducts of our technological advances. Yeah. For the sake of humanity or whatever. Yeah. There's something refreshing about the monsters in this movie, though, because I don't know about you, but I didn't get some ham-fisted abstraction of like, oh, this is a metaphor for whatever. It was just like, dope. There's like monsters now. I'm all on board for a good metaphor and a good theme. Um, But I think it was more interested in the setup to just like follow the emotional journey of this character. Uh, And it managed to be somehow like light without sacrificing like emotional engagement. Like there's a lot of heart to the movie. Um, So I think not, not dragging it down into some like ham fisted metaphor probably helps with that. I feel compelled to say now on record that I also enjoy metaphors. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not taking a date at metaphors. It's just that that's not what this movie needed, which is what you're saying. I think when they were pitching it, they described it as like in the vein of Mad Max meets Zombieland and Jurassic Park, but at the heart of it is a John Hughes love story, right? It's not Ooh. really about the monsters. It's about the cutie, like finding himself, finding his, his legs in the world as he goes after the love of his life. Yeah. The monsters are just the obstacles in the way. Yeah, it's uh, it's about this guy's uh, journey. Traditional hero's journey, I'd say. Yeah, you know, he's a hero. He journeys. Uh, he definitely learns. <laughs> that is what Joseph Campbell wrote in his seminal book, yeah. Joe Campbell's Myth 
uh, Myth yeah. Madness or whatever it was called. Um, <laughs> Myth Madness. It's when all the different archetypes compete in brackets to see which one comes out on top. <laughs> um, Take yeah, your bets. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's my favorite time of year. I love that scene when Cutie, uh, Cutie's unconscious stares into the collective unconscious, changed forever, and becomes both more and less himself. Uh, yeah, typical hero's journey, you know? Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I wasn't, go- I was going nowhere after that. Did, were you going somewhere that I interrupted? Uh, no, I felt like you were going somewhere that I interrupted. So we're, we oh, both okay. were just going nowhere and fucked each other up, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that, boy, if I had a nickel. How, uh, how do you think you'd navigate this apocalypse? Do you think you'd die? Do you think you would die? <laughs> Do you think you'd die or that you'd die? Um, okay, so he- here is a thought that I had. Well, I don't know. I guess they kind of justify it in the movie. But one of the things that happens in the movie, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we should say at the beginning of every episode that, like, we're not going to worry that much about spoilers. So spoilers, spoilers. But, like, part of the thing that happens at the end of the movie is that he's like, you know, he's found his strength and he can leave the bunker and he's not afraid of going out. And so he sends out like a radio message to everybody being like, if I can do it because I'm so lame and I could do it, then you can do it too. And then there's all this footage of all these different people leaving their bunkers. I gotta say, I feel like, especially for some people, staying in the bunker is probably a pretty good idea. Like, I don't know... I don't know that a bunker is a bad idea in this apocalypse. Like it makes sense for his emotional journey, but I was a little like, there was a shot of like a couple, like an older couple leaving. And I was like, well, but he's like, he's like 23. And like, like, I don't know. I don't know. There's a bunch of giant insects out there. I don't know that a bunker is a terrible idea. Well, also it's not like, it's not like cutie saying, Hey, come up to the surface. Let's start some farms together. Y'all he's <laughs> earlier at, in a halfway point in the film, cutie runs into Michael Rooker, who I'm going to call Yondu. Cause that's what y'all will <laughs> likely know him from Yondu. And, um, this young girl, I'm going to call her scrapper. Cause she's, cause she's real scrappy. I'll call her scrappy. So Yondu and scrappy, scrappy and Yondu. <laughs> Yeah, so Cutie runs into Scrappy and Yondu, who have been walking on the surface for a while, and they have all these names for the creatures, and they have all these tips and rules, like you can't have both, in terms of you can't have both a hot meal and also a good night's rest, because the hot meal will attract said giant insects. Um, But halfway through the film, before they part ways again after bonding, uh, they invite him along to a kind of safe haven, supposedly, up in the mountains, so my interpretation of that ending when he was telling people, hey, come up to the surface, I thought he was inviting them to meet at that safe haven. And even if not that, to at least group up and have strength in big numbers. Yeah, 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 yeah. And not just be so afraid that they're gobbled up, isolating themselves from a community that they could potentially join. Yeah, I know. But I did have a little moment where I was just like, I feel like for some people making that journey would maybe not be a good idea. So what was your initial question? How long would I survive in this? How would I survive in this apocalypse? I think I said, how would you handle it? Oh, okay. I could chill in a bunker for a while. (laughs) Well, one of the things I liked about the movie is that uh, the monsters weren't. um... See, now this is going to get me into a whole rant. Okay, you ready? You ready for the rant? 
Are you ready for the rant? <laughs> yes. Are you ready for the rant? Yeah! Hell yeah. Okay, so the rant is that uh, in the, one of the things I really love about the original Jurassic Park movie, uh, which is probably one of my favorite movies, is that the dinosaurs, while they like cause all this mayhem and destruction, there's no point where they don't act like animals. The closest thing to like malice in the animals is like velociraptors, but that's just because they're like really good hunters uh, and they're really smart, but they just want to eat, you know, and there's also some really beautiful moments where they like meet the Brachiosaurus and stuff like that. So it's like you get the wonder of nature and then the terror of nature, but at no point do the animals like seem like they're just out to get you or whatever. They just act like animals. And one of the things I hated about the new Jurassic world was it didn't feel like that. I don't know. It felt like they were like monsters and not just animals that were like trying to eat or trying to make their way from one place to another. So something I really liked about this movie was they did the same kind of thing where like that the mutated monsters just felt like animals. And some of them, were out to get you because they wanted to eat you. And some of them were just chilling. And as long as you didn't bother them, they wouldn't bother you. And what this all was leading to was, I think if I was in that world, I'd try to figure out more about the like um, non-aggressive animals and maybe like how to, how to utilize them and live in, in harmony with them. Yeah. Yondu from guardians of the galaxy uh, directed by James Gunn said in this movie that you can tell good ones from the bad ones through their eyes and uh cutie actually exploits that in the, the climax <laughs> of the film hey everybody he he laughed because it's climax like an orgasm whoa like 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 you're like a climax is also a word for an orgasm, but it's also a word you use when you're talking about a movie, so it's funny. Dude, it's so baller you said orgasm on the recording. You're welcome. See, we're a we're a boundary pushing podcast, baby. Yeah, we push how often we can bleep within thirty seconds. <laughs> yep. It's not for not for the kids, this one. No. No, this is this ain't your mama's podcast. Oh no, we're living on the edge. Yeah, you know what? Our podcast just got monsterfied by those rocket molecules. Hell just like yeah. the cold blood. Our podcast is a cold blooded animal. Yeah, <laughs> this one's a mutant. Teenage mutant ninja podcast. Yeah. Mut- mutated, mutated my balls. <laughs> so they're real big. What if the apocalypse was instead of mutating all the uh, animals into monsters, what if it just gave everybody really big balls? (laughs) When you say everybody. I mean, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I. I. Yeah, yeah. I've rendered him speechless. Yeah, that's the first time this has happened in a long time. I really don't know what to say to you, to the audience. I know, actually, no, to the audience, I know what to say. I'm sorry. I'm sorry (laughs) we're here. Yeah, I'm sorry sorry. you had to hear that. Sorry we're doing this. Sorry that you're listening to it. What if it gave everyone a third ball? A third? Oh, a third ball. 
I thought you meant like a third, like made everybody into a polycule, like three, like a a thruple. I mean, here's here's the here's the thing, right? Is that if everyone has huge balls, that's something people would notice and talk would happen immediately. Third ball, though, everyone's gonna be weird for a few days and kind of like <laughs> not look at their friend. Everybody's gonna be like, hey. No, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> yeah, no, what, wait. What? No, I just... Uh, there's this... No, you know what? It's probably probably nothing. Probably just me. Are we the same? Are... Am I not, am I not alone? When I was reading interviews with, Dylan o- <laughs> with QD, with Jake Gyllenhaal, for this movie, yes, Love and Monsters, with Brandon. By... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... They asked him how serendipitous it was they filmed this because when this movie came out, it was in the middle of when we were when America at least was still in a lockdown mm-hmm. and you know bunkers and he was like, oh yeah, it's serendipitous. I mean, you know, the ending isn't quite the same in terms of like, a hey, screw the rules and the norm, get out there anyway. That that doesn't quite work one to one. But it was just kind of serendipitous. And in terms of you talking about like, no, stay in the bunkers, we both watched. 10 Cloverfield Lane, which we will watch again and talk about mm, again in a future mm-hmm. episode. You know people be getting those bunker blues. You and I this have talked true. about those bunker blues. We this get them true. basement blues, the bonkers, the basement bonkers, the, the bunker blues, whatever the you ba- want to call the it. Basement, the, bonker, the bonkers, the, the basement the, bonker blues? Yeah, the basement bonker the basement, blues. The basement bonker big ball blues. The basement bonker big third ball blues. <laughs> Never letting this go. Just like my balls (laughs) i got my hands on them right now always anyway yeah no i mean it is true i mean it's 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 the question which is just like you know get a little nutty get a little nutty in a bunker oh i like the rhythm of that that was that felt good coming out of the mouth get a little nutty in a bunker hey audience shut up we're gonna go record right now We'll be right back. Get a little nutty in a bunker. Bunker. 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 What? What is that? Is that a small child? It's my falsetto. Oh, my my hype man is a is a five year old. <laughs> Get him, Morton. Yeah. Bunker. That'd be really funny, actually, to just have like a really like hard like trap song but the hype man is just like a little just like a little boy that's what's up money <laughs> skirt, money. skirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it let's record it um yeah it's just a question of like is is getting the the, the risk assessment of like getting out of the bunker to like keep yourself from like going going nutso or to, but you also have the risk of getting eaten by a big monster, um, which is pretty, pretty relatable, actually, <laughs> to our current situation. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's why we both found it so refreshing, right? Is that we could somehow relate to these circumstances, but the tone and vibe, I mean, you know, it was dangerous and I was definitely stressed out at points, but because the heart of the story was a love story, mm-hmm. um, I wasn't fearing world ending states so we could kind of connect to something we related to but not in this same anxiety ridden way we have been for the last couple years oh my god last couple years anyway oh doesn't that uh, just send a shiver up your spine to say (laughs) 
like when we when we were messaging back and forth after the movie, we were like, I feel like this is a good bar for mainstream movies. I don't see a lot of apocalyptic movies where they don't take themselves too seriously. And that's what mm-hmm. I think is going on here is that it's not like taking itself too seriously. It's definitely not, you know, goofing around or anything. It's not doing a bad job. But it's like, here's the context. Here's the circ- Like, here's how the world's ending. But here's the story we want to tell in it. So I think they were just super intentional with the character, the story, the direction. I, I just felt really taken care of when we were watching it. Yeah, agree. And I, I, I think I said this somewhat earlier, but like to go more detail on it, I thought it was a really good balance because I all, you know, I think it's like, like you said, they didn't get goofy about it either, which like I really appreciated because I think, I think that the tendency in a lot of, stuff like this is just just goes so far into the sort of like ironic direction that nothing feels like it has weight um which also can be easier because you don't have to worry about like balancing emotional sincerity with the like uh like comedy and lightness of it you know you can just be like yeah millions of people died but it's but it's all ironic and 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 detached so like we don't have to worry about that and this is a really good job because like it had some really like pretty they they gave the fact that like you know a three quarters of the world's population or whatever has died they gave that like weight without it dragging the movie down you know uh, like they gave the fact yeah. that like the people in this and the main character have like lost everybody close to them. Um, they gave that space without making the movie like super tragic or morose or anything like that, which is, I, I think, I think, I think there are a lot of movies that are scared to do that or like they don't know how to handle it well. And I always prefer that kind of sincerity to well almost always i almost always prefer that kind of sincerity to like <laughs> wink wink a bunch of people die but we don't give a fuck you know i mean we see it have an indelible effect on the main character from the very beginning he freezes when he sees these monsters because he's traumatized because he as we see uh directly in a flashback like two-thirds of the way through the movie he legit saw his parents crushed in front of him by one of these monsters yeah um, so that's, that's like scary you know, shit Oh my gosh, yeah. And also, I wanted to bring this up the whole time. When they were getting ready to pack, the mom shoves a chandelier into his hands and he holds <laughs> on to it that whole fucking time. Oh, what? no! That, when yeah, you're that... packing up, why? Why a chandelier? Maybe it was a grandma's chandelier or something like that. Okay. But you know, people, I just, you know what? People do stupid shit when they're in situations like that. They're like, what are we going to save? Uh, This random thing. Yeah. Okay. All right. You've uh, given a lot of thought and empathy to these people, while I have coldly analyzed them from a distance. My yeah. Come on, man. each other. Do you? I mean, do you? I feel like I'd have at least one stupid thing that I'd grab if I were if I were like in a situation where it's like, oh my god, we got to get to a bunker or whatever. I feel like I'd have at yeah. least one where I'd just be like grabbing at shit, and I'm like, uh, this, and it's just like a mug or whatever. Okay. Here's a question cutie versus the robot from pacific rim that's a good question is it you don't like uh david and Elias' story do you <laughs> yeah that's not yeah, that's you don't a, get it. it's it's not a it's not a david and goliath it's a much smaller thing and a much bigger thing 
It's a worm into life. It's a worm in the robot from fucking Pacific <laughs> Rim. That's what it is. Man, um, you're putting Cutie on the same level as a worm. That's disrespectful. I'm sorry, Cutie. Uh, all right, this apocalypse, I'd say it's like, what, 7 out of 10 destructive level? Planet's still around, structures are still around, people are just in bunkers, and they can't even fight back. Okay, here's the thing, though, is at the beginning when he was narrating, Cutie was talking about, like, even tanks couldn't take this shit down. He mm-hmm. was taking these motherfuckers out with, like, arrows, right? Okay. arrows and grenades and okay but here's the thing he never encounters anything like what they encounter in the beginning because in the be- you remember like his parents are killed by like an insect that's like so big that it like smushes their entire car with one foot so obviously during the movie he doesn't encounter like the biggest possible monsters yeah it just felt like a setup that i that never came to fruition other than in the flashback because True. that was part of the threat of going to the surface. It's like, man, we couldn't even have tanks take some of these things down. Yeah, he, that is And true. everyone's like, oh, you're going to the surface? You're going to the surface? You're going to die, man. No one's lasted more than however many days. Yeah. And then, you know, fewer. I mean, I guess that's also the point is that part of that is the fear mongering of living in the bunkers. Is like, oh, we don't yeah. stand a chance. And the truth is you do. Yeah. Well, I think it's all also like part of the... I guess part of the contrast between the people who live in the bunkers and uh, Yondu and Scrappy is that like, since they live on the surface, they know all the ins and outs. They know all the like strategies. Whereas like the people who live in the bunkers are just like, Oh shit, there's a thing. Shoot at it. You know? Um, Yeah. So if you're a little more knowledgeable about like how things work and exactly what you got to do to, to like survive against certain things, then you're going to do better. I just, uh, so for the audience, uh, Cutie has a journal that he keeps a log of all the creatures he runs into and their weaknesses. And he disseminates that via radio to all these people who are listening, who's encouraging to go to the surface. I'm imagining a scenario where, like, the tips get weirder and weirder. And he's like, all right, you got a spinodactyl. And to kill it, you've got to tickle its butthole. And people are like, what? <laughs> what it's like yeah and if that doesn't work try licking its armpit it's like uh, <laughs> uh no do we... i don't know about this sorry sorry everybody that one <laughs> that last one was just a little joke uh is it time it's time for unkillable. the unkillable it's time for the unkillable being i think the unkillable being Morgan, what's the unkillable being? So the unkillable being is a being that we are creating uh, as every episode goes by. Anytime we encounter our new apocalypse, we add a couple traits to this being, which sort of started out just like the blank, the the thing that you would have at the beginning of a cre- character creator in a video game. And every uh, every apocalypse, we add two traits to it that we feel like would uh, help you survive that apocalypse. Um, but we're... Uh, specifically avoiding it being like too op like it can't be that you had you can shoot lasers out of your fingers um and i think uh we generally try to keep it as like things that would be possible within the universe of the movie as well uh anything anything else you want to add to that well thinking back on it now did we break that rule with invasion of the body snatchers because there's no way starbucks was around at that point well now hold on let's look it up 
Let's <laughs> There's no way. Starbucks. Starbucks was a Starbucks. <laughs> Morgan, this is a this is a fruitless Starbucks. Effort, I will Starbucks. eat my shorts if Starbucks was around. Um, Starbucks. Okay, so to give context for what I'm looking up right now, so the first episode with the two traits we added was that uh, the unkillable being they have a pet pug and basic computer skills, and then. The uh, second episode was, uh, Ron, do you want to take it away? What was the second episode? Yeah, sure. In the second episode, we gave the, uh, the Unkillable Being a good poker face and a $50 Starbucks gift card. Now, if you want to know why those things made sense, check out episodes one and two of Apocalypse is Now. Hey, but for now, <laughs> Morgan right, is checking out if... Uh, All right, motherfucker. Oh. Starbucks was okay. founded in 1971. Invasion of the Body Snatchers came out in 1978. We are clear! <gasps> God, I have to eat my shorts. Are you? Sh- oh my! <laughs> eat them. Gosh. Put them in your mouth. Um. Yeah. It originally opened in Seattle, Washington, on March thirtieth, night. Oh, are you? Oh, are you actually eating your shorts? There's a big gas lag. I was. We're good now. Go ahead. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, they were only in Seattle at that time, so I don't know where. Let's say, let's say in the world that the unkillable being would be living in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that doesn't so, count for one of the things today. No, no, no. It's not a quality. It's just a, an excuse that we're making. So, um, so currently, it's a lifestyle the, choice. Yeah, exactly. Currently, the unkillable being has a pet pug, basic computer skills, a Starbucks gift card, and a poker face. Um, so it's just. <laughs> Now let's lay out again. And it also the had some chunky sweaters world. and a scarf, and <laughs> <laughs> and has signs that so, say "Live, Laugh, Love." If let's lay out some of the dangers of this world again, where the, most of humanity is living in underground bunkers, mm-hmm. in you know small little. Well, in America, we have no idea really what it looks like outside of America. This is true. Uh, they're in these little collectives and underground bunkers because there's a threat above ground of these mutated cold-blooded creatures that want to hurt and eat them the majority of them want to hurt and eat them um if it wasn't already covered with pet pug i would say a dog would be helpful because yeah uh, very early into his yeah very early into his foray into the surface he finds a dog boy who saves his life literally quite a couple times but we can't do that. We already got a dog. Just to make sure you know, um, the dog is named Boy. He doesn't find a dog boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's my answer. A dog boy would really dog. help in the apocalypse. <laughs> he has a dog boy. Um, uh, hmm. hmm. I mean, I guess like the obvious answer would be to have a collection of the weaknesses of the enemy, like a running list but that also seems kind of like a basic answer well here's the thing how do we feel about adding things that the character actually has within the movie that ends up helping them like a grenade no like a sketchbook i'm gonna i'm gonna put in my vote for sketchbook because that that takes that takes us farther into the world of that so far our unkillable being is like the stereotype of a basic white girl at the moment 
So let's assume that with the sketchbook are watercolor pencils, because that's a moment in the movie is like he's gifted these watercolor pencils by his love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a sketch. I'll say that's like a two in one. Yeah, it's like you can't really use a yeah, sketchbook yeah. without watercolor. So you want to lock in your answer? Yeah. My vote for the unkillable being is that they have a sketchbook. <laughs> and either, uh, I don't know, colored pencils, watercolors. What do we want to say? Colored pencils colored pencils a set of colored pencils and i would like to lock in that i think you're wrong and stupid and dumb and that answer doesn't make any sense it helps him he's able to document (laughs) what all the animals do all right well then what's your vote ron a dumbass grenade or some shit it literally saved his life so did the sketchbook what about this? What if I say good marksmanship? That's not like a overpowered thing. I don't think it's pretty or good, versatile. Or good aim. Good aim. That's what I mean. That's what marksmanship is. Well, is I feel like marksmanship is more general. It's like you you're good. You're specifically good with like guns and stuff. Whereas like good aim is yeah. like it might it might be as simple as like you're really good at darts or something. Okay. All right. Because in the movie uh, when Oh man, when Cutie first goes to the surface, uh, he has an, a bow and arrow, but he's missing all his shots, y'all. It's kind of—he's no Green Arrow, he's no Hawkeye, mm-hmm. he's no Kate mm-hmm. Bishop, he's no. Hold on. Keep going. Keep going. Hold on. He's no Katniss Everdeen. Good. Uh, Keep going. Hold on. He's no Robin Hood. Hold Good. on. Hold on. He's no Merida from Brave. Hold on. Good. Hold on. He's. <laughs> Keep going. He's not. He's not Legolas. Hold on. Good. Good. Hold on. Good. Hold on. Hold on. He's no Apollo. Hold on. Ooh. Hold on. He's no. He's no. He's no. Hold on. He's no Link from the Legend of Zelda. Yep. Hold he's on. No Ted, he's no Ted hold Lasso. On. He's. I, I don't get that reference. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. He's. He's. He's no William Tell. He's no William Tell. Right, he's not hitting his shots. They're limp arrows. They're they're way off the mark. They're limp. They're limp arrows. They're like wobbly arrows. He's impotent. (laughs) Right. He doesn't have that third ball. I can't get over the image of like a floppy arrow now. Oh god. Anyway, Uh, yeah, no, he's not good. Not good, but. Scrappy teaches him how. Scrappy and Yandu teach him how to find the heart of the card so that his aim may be true and his arrow stiff and solid. <laughs> and uh, it comes in. May your aim quite be true and your arrow true. be stiff. <laughs> um. Uh. So yeah, like good aim. I think aim is pretty good too because it's open, like you were saying. Like you don't just hand them a gun or a bow and arrow and then otherwise they're screwed it's like yeah here's a baseball or a rock or a dart yeah right right for sure it's just like if you aim at the thing you're probably gonna probably gonna bane it yeah so okay i'm gonna lock in my answer uh i'm gonna give the unkillable being i'm gonna give you uh (laughs) good aim good aim good aim so so far we have uh, a pug, a uh, basic computer skills, 
uh, a Starbucks fifty dollars Starbucks gift card. Fifty good poker Starbucks. face. Good poker face. Good aim. And, and a sketchbook with watercolor pencils. Yeah. Sweet. That is. <laughs> That's like a slightly interesting college student. Sounds like a person I could hang out with, to be honest. Yeah. 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 This this person sounds like a, like I'd like to have them at a party. They sound cool. I right now they seem a little lame to me. Just that not lame like the things we've chosen are lame, but there's just, just literally not more to them right now. Like that's it. Like, right. So what else are you into? Um, I have really good aim. You said that like three things ago. Uh, I have basic computer knowledge. Uh. <laughs> Look at my art. We didn't even write that they are good at art, though. <laughs> they just have a sketchbook. This is true. And I feel like that's too far a leap. Like, they can't have the skill and yeah. also the thing. <laughs> yeah, that's why we had to give them good aim instead Damn of just it. giving them a gun. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. Okay, so they have the sketch, Later but, on. but they can't, maybe they can't necessarily <laughs> they can't draw, draw well in it yet. <laughs> but man, their aim, so they can really get that, get the pencil on the paper, man. <laughs> they aren't missing, no. They're not going to hit any part of the cover. It's pure paper, baby. <laughs> oh, that feels like a, feels like a good place. Feels like a good place to be. We've left ourselves a lot of room here, you know? This is going to, you know, this podcast gonna go on for years we're gonna have tons of time to make this thing real badass oh yeah tons of movies this has been apocalypses now we talked about love and monsters i monster you and i oh this is something that i wanted to start off the episode with but i'll finish off the episode with it which is like just like a real succinct uh uh description of how i felt about the movie and i think i have the perfect one you ready yeah. Solid flick. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>